Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected, which is a City Collective podcast. We are so glad that y'all are tuning in with us today and that you are just spending some time while you are kind of in this quarantine or maybe after quarantine listening to our podcast and hearing stories from people in our church. And I am really, really excited about what we have today. So today I am joined by Naomi Setliff. Um, Naomi is a mother of three. She is married to Matt, who preaches sometimes, but um, she has so much more than that as part of her story. And she is a tremendous blessing to my wife and I. We're in the same community group. Um, and we've just gotten to know her and her family really, really well over the past couple of years. So I'm really, really excited for her to kind of share today. Naomi, how are you doing? Hi, Bricks. Um, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's a crazy time to be in right now, but I'm, I'm feeling good. Cool. Um, so for those who don't know you or maybe seen you, they can tell immediately that when you talk, you don't sound like <laughs> you're from the South. Um, so tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you were born, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um, I was born in New Zealand, um, but I moved at a very young age to Scotland. Um, and so I grew up in a Scottish culture and with a pretty Scottish accent, um, depending on who I was around. But yeah, that's, I guess, why I sound different. <laughs> Have you noticed it kind of turning more American the longer you've been here? Or, oh, yeah. Or, yeah, really? definitely. Um, it depends who I'm around, but it has changed a lot. Um, I have a lot of family from New Zealand. I have family from Scotland. Um, and now I have you guys in America. Um, so it just changes depending who I'm talking to. It's Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah. Do you notice it like... Do you get more Scottish when you talk to people from Scotland, like back home yeah. on the phone or something yeah, like that? Yeah, definitely. We um, we FaceTime a lot um, with my family in Scotland, and my, Matthew will look at me and he's just like, "Who who are you?" Yeah, because <laughs> my accent just changes. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. That is so cool. So <laughs> would you consider Scotland to be kind of home base for you? Like if someone's like, all right, like where's home for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely Scotland. My heart is still in Scotland. Um, and yeah, I, I, I can see myself one day being back in Scotland. Not anytime soon, but yeah, I think that's where I'll, you know, you know, settle down later yeah, in life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, what is it about Scotland then that is so captivating? Is it just that you grew up there or like what? Because I've never been and I'm sure a lot of us have never been. What's it like over there? Scotland is a beautiful place. Um, I grew up in the west of Scotland, so very close to Glasgow. Um, So kind of, you know, Glasgow's the city and where I lived was a little village kind of countryside. Um, but Scotland in general is a really beautiful place and the culture is very, um, everyone is just so kind and loving and generous and it's definitely a tight knit community, um, which I miss a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Probably especially now, like in the season we're in of Mm -hmm. kind of having that distance ourselves from everyone, um, 
you start to feel that maybe a little bit more I would I would imagine at least um yeah what is your what's your favorite town slash like thing to do in Scotland if any of us ever go yeah so um a lot of people I talk to who um come from America and go to Scotland um always tell me that they're gonna go to Edinburgh um which is great and I love Edinburgh but everyone forgets about Glasgow and I honestly feel like Glasgow is like the heart of Scotland it's just such a great place to go um like I said the people are great um there's lots of things to do um the culture is just amazing um so yeah I would definitely say to people if you're going to go to Scotland, go to Glasgow, like spend a few days in Glasgow um, and then do Edinburgh and all of those places. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. I'll definitely have to check it out. Is there like a best <laughs> restaurant per your recommendation or like best food? Like, you know how like when we're in certain places, it's like you have to eat a, a cheesesteak in Philadelphia or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Does the Scotland or like Glasgow or anything have anything like that for us or um, is yeah, it just pretty plain? Yeah, um, I am a foodie. I love food. So I would recommend anyone who's going to Scotland, you have to try uh, fish and chips. Okay. Now, you get fish and chips here, but it is not, it is nothing close to Scottish fish and chips. Really? Not even close at all? Not even close. It is, it will give you a heart attack. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) Um, It is not good for you, but it is just so delicious. Yeah. Um, and my favorite restaurant um, has to be, um, I would say there's a place, an independent place in Glasgow called Hanoi Bike Shop. And they have mixed um, kind of like Asian food um, into like Scottish culture. So okay. it's like a mixture of both. Um yeah, it's it's great. I love that place. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I mean, even just like trying to picture it in my head. I mean, I love Asian food and I'm sure I would love Scottish culture. So it sounds like it'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know exactly what it'd be like, but um, how old were you when you kind of first moved to Scotland? Um, I was around five or six years old when okay. I moved to Scotland. Yeah, so I was uh, school age. Yep. Yeah. So it's mostly like what you remember then is mostly Scotland. Yes. Yeah. My okay. whole life. Yeah. I would say to everyone that, you know, I grew up in Scotland, um, even though I, I kind of lived a little bit of my life in New Zealand, I grew up in kind of, I guess, the important stages of your life in Scotland. Yeah, definitely. Um so what was growing up in Scotland like for you? Um, growing up in Scotland for me was, um, it was tough. Like um, my mother was and is still an alcoholic, um, single mother, and my father wasn't present. So growing wow. up in Scotland was tough for me. Um and Scotland is a as a hard place in general to grow up in when you have those factors in your life. Um, you know, with, growing up with a single mother and her being an alcoholic and my dad not being around, 
um, it kind of sets you up for failure almost. Um, yeah. Which I hate to say that, but. Um, no, totally. You know, it kind of just how the education system is there and the prospects that you have in life, it, it does really set you up for failure. Is there a big emphasis on like the family system in Scotland? Because you said like how the education system set up. Is that mm-hmm. different than us or what's that kind of like? Yeah. So in Scotland, um, basically, if, if you're not doing well at school or you have any kind of behavioral issues or, um, you know, just I'm trying to word this right. Like if you if you're just not good at school, um, yeah. you kind of have a glass ceiling that you can't break through. So in school, they'll, um, you know, if you're not good at maths, they'll put you in the lower maths class and you uh, there's no options for you to kind of progress. That is what you will be in for the rest right. of your school life, basically, um, which is so sad. I, like looking back and thinking of that, um, it's, it's really, it's a tough kind of place to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no, there's really no options for you if you are not doing well at school. Um, wow. Yeah. And then adding on the home life factors into that, um, that really affects your education as well. Um, so it's, it's tough. It was definitely tough for me. Yeah, it sounds really, really difficult. Um, and I'm sure that like a lot of people probably in here or who are like listening um, can probably like resonate with like growing up with a single parent or yeah. maybe feeling challenged in school. And like I know for me, some of the classes where I felt like I was placed in a lower level than my friends, I was like humiliated and yeah. um, it was extremely challenging. And so um, I totally resonate with that. But mm. you did progress from what I know to mm-hmm. um, it's a different term in Scotland for the healthcare yeah. system but it's mm-hmm. like a like a junior doctor is what you kind of went on to become is that right yes that's correct um, so what's that like and how did you get from to there especially yeah. considering you felt like you had a glass ceiling mm-hmm. um it was it was a journey for sure <laughs> um I'm not gonna lie uh you know, coming from being at home with an alcoholic mother and, um, you know, that, that was tough, like I said, but, um, there was a point in my life where I had to leave home at a very young age. So I was maybe 13 or 14 years old and I, I, I just had to leave. Um, it was a very toxic, um, situation at home and um I I just I just left um did you know where you were going or like was it like a plan that you had in your head or was it just one night kind of just the emotions just like bubbled over and you just had to get out yeah um I didn't know where I was gonna go so I um you know I won't you know get into the nitty-gritty of all that happens, but, um, you know, my mother's drinking had got to a point where 
alcoholism was very quickly going to turn into, you know, physical abuse. Yeah. Um, and so I was ter- I was scared. I was scared of my mother, and um, I just I just left, um, and I didn't know what to do. Um, but I quickly got in contact with um, like social services and you know the police in Scotland, and um, because I was at an age where you're kind of too old to go into the the care system yeah like but y'all's version of foster care yeah but you're not um so you're too old to be in the care system but you're not old enough to live on your own um right so i was placed in a homeless unit oh wow um at at 13 or 14 years old um and that <laughs> that was just not you know, you just don't, it's kind of hard to imagine. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you you have any family or, like, cousins or anyone you know at that age. Like, imagine them being in a homeless unit full of um, drug addicts or people who had just left prison. Um, wow. It is a tough, it was tough. Um so, I so lived that's there. where social services put you then yeah that's okay. where I was placed um and it was kind of you had your own apartment and you had your own kitchen your bathroom your bedroom but it was um you know you were kind of controlled every day you had to meet with social services every day and um but they they were great like they they really helped me get on my feet and learn how to live life on my own um but yeah I was doing that while I was also in high school um while I was also taking exams and um yeah it was it was crazy um yeah it sounds crazy yeah I managed to finish high school um I did really really well at school um and I don't say that to um, big myself up or no, totally. um, give myself a big head, but that was my way of escaping um, my story, I guess. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, you know, my home life. Um, so that was my way of escaping. And um, I guess you can say I got out. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I did so well at school, and I got an unconditional offer to Glasgow University, and I studied medicine. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely my way of, you know, I, I just didn't want to be my mother. Um, yeah, definitely. And that, that sounds so, uh, it sounds awful like to say like that bitter maybe yeah but it it's not it's it's more like the lifestyle that she had got stuck in that mm. I would have got stuck in if I didn't you know have work. Like a refuge yeah, yeah if I didn't have a refuge and if I didn't work as hard as I did I really think that that's 
where I would have ended up. Um, Is that pretty prominent in Scotland then? Like just kind of like this habit of drinking to where it overtakes your life kind of? Yes, definitely. Alcoholism in Scotland is, it is, you know, we're talking about the pandemic right now, um, you know, COVID-19, but in Scotland, that is a pandemic. Really? In and of itself. Yeah, 100%. um, Alcoholism is very, very bad in Scotland. So I, I do feel like I would have ended up in that place. Yeah, no, thanks for, I mean, sharing all of that with us. I know yeah. it's so difficult to to talk about difficult things in our past and yeah. things that maybe we're not super proud of, or even if it's nothing we did, but we just kind of don't want to change anyone's perception of someone we love. Mm. Um, and I know that's really hard, so I really appreciate that. But yeah. Um, so as you were kind of going through all of this, what was what was living like in the homeless space like? You said you had your own apartment, right? So yeah. it was like a place where homeless people could come and get their own apartment or was yours unique because you were in child services? Yeah, so it was not um, – it had different sections. So um, – the adults would be separated from the youth um, and the the men would be separated from the women or the boys from the girls. Um, so I was in a section with girls only um, and they were young. So they were, I was the youngest, but they were, you know, teenagers under, under 18 years old. Um, and they had also come from really hard backgrounds. Some had gotten themselves into prison um, or young offenders, which is what it's called in Scotland, um, which it would just be prison for young people. Um, some had gotten themselves caught up in drugs or alcohol. Um, some, I knew a girl who was... Um, caught up in prostitution um so it was a mixture of really tough uh lives really um yeah it sounds like it yeah so I say you know that place they were called um blue track um that's what they're called and they really helped me um but at the same time no child of that age should have to grow up surrounded by all of that you know yeah Um, definitely I was only 13 or close to 14 and I already you know was around this kind of stuff like you know drugs and drinking and prostitution and all this stuff that's going on in this homeless unit, it, it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, yeah, crazy. <laughs> no, it sounds um, crazy. Um, yeah. I can't, I mean, imagine, I mean, especially, so with all of this and mm-hmm. with Scotland being such a heavily, um, just country that relies so heavily on alcohol mm-hmm. as maybe an escape or whatever they use it for, um, how did faith kind of enter the picture in your life? Because it doesn't sound like 
it was something you were necessarily raised in. Um, so what was that kind of like for you and how did that journey begin? Mm-hmm. So I definitely was not raised in um, a Christian home um, or I didn't grow up knowing who God was. Um, but when we filed, you know, the census, um, I don't know if you guys have that, but there's a census that goes around and they ask how many people are in your household, uh, what race you are, and also what religion you are. We would always tick the Christian box. But um, I definitely was not raised knowing God. And I actually was introduced to church through a friend that I had in school. And um, she just one day said, like, let's go to church together. I actually remember she would ask me several times and um, I kind of nodded it off and didn't think anything of it, but I can't really remember why, but I just really wanted to go. I guess looking back, it was because it was a community to me. It was family, it was friends, and it was something that I didn't have at home. Um, or living on my own Um, so I went one day and um, that was that I have been to church ever ever since that moment oh really yeah yeah. so this is one of those things where you just walked in and immediately felt like home yeah I felt God's love for sure Um, I felt like I had a place um I felt like I had the home that I never had as a child. Um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, that is a huge part of my story, um, you know, and who I am now is because of that moment. And I, rem- I remember it so well. Yeah. Like, just feeling God's love for me and, you know, no longer feeling like the, um, like an outcast or mm. a, a loner or, you know, whatever labels society has had placed on me. Um, yeah. I, I was accepted. And I was so those loved. are things that you kind of felt like you, those are things that you felt prior to this experience in church. Like you felt like you were, your identity was as a loner or as someone who is an outcast or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I didn't have what normal, uh, 13 year old kids had, you know, I, um, didn't have the mom and the dad or, um, the nice house or whatever kind of, thing you you're thinking about right now I I just didn't have that um and so I really I guess in my own mind I labeled myself as those things but also like society is just set up in a way that you know if you are from a bad home or you I don't you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it's it really kind of sets if you start out at a disadvantage. Exactly. Yeah. It sets, like I was saying in the beginning, like it, it sets you up for failure. Um, and you can so easily fall into those, um, 
things like alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever it is it's just yeah 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 I mean yeah um it is definitely one of those things that because for so many of us it's the air that we breathed until we realized that there was a different type of air we could breathe I guess is like the example or whatever the example would be it's like oh I only I was taught to color with a red crayon and everyone around me colored with a red crayon I didn't know you could do anything different exactly um and so it's really, really difficult to mm-hmm. to kind of start off on that that playing field. Um, yeah. And so how old were you when this happened? Do you remember? When I went to church? Yep. So the very first yeah. time. So the first time I went to church, I was probably 14 or 15. So you were living on your own at this point? Yes, I was on my own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then so ever since you've been walking with Jesus and mm-hmm. you have literally changed continents while doing so. <laughs> um, yeah. What has that kind of adjustment been like for you? Like how, I know that you say Scotland's where your heart is, but how's the adjustment to American life and American living been for you? It is a change for sure. It is um, completely, it's a, just a completely different culture and, um, that was the biggest struggle for me was the culture change. Um, anyone who knows me well knows that I'm just very real and very oftentimes I can be quite blunt. Um, but that is just the culture that I grew up in. That's how things are in the UK and in Scotland especially. So um, coming to America where what it, it seemed like everyone was so happy and so loud and so yeah especially um, in the south yeah I hate to say this word I just can't think of anything else but it was really over the top like yeah everything was over the top whether that's it was, how you perceived it is over exactly the top. Yeah. yeah whether it was people like saying hi to me or like just going to a restaurant everyone is just so over the top and kind and lovely and it's it's a lot (laughs) yeah no it's crazy Um, because I come from a like a I grew up where over the top is normal and in my head it's like if people aren't over the top back to me I'm like uh, they must not like me (laughs) yeah for sure it's it's so it's funny um that was the biggest thing for me was definitely the culture difference um but now I feel like I've kind of acclimated and um I catch myself sometimes like talking to people from home and being over the top (laughs) yeah Um, so I've definitely acclimated um yeah that is so cool um and so what is your favorite thing about America as someone who's moved in from a different country my favorite thing, um, I could say lots of different things, I guess. My favorite thing about America is, I guess, the opportunities. Um, I see a lot of different opportunities. I think that's um, the American culture. It's very, um, like, everyone is working to be the best, their best selves or... yeah. Um, I don't know how else to describe that. 
Um, no, totally. Yeah, I do. There's a lot just, of opportunity to work in yeah. a lot of different things. Yeah, and the work, the work culture is great. Everyone has a great, like, work ethic. Um, yeah. So I think that's my favorite thing about Americans. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. My favorite thing in America is probably the food and the candy. Okay. Um, <laughs> if so we're talking is candy about that food. much different? Yeah, it's so different. Um, I do miss candy back home, but um, I do love American candy. It's just, okay. it's different. As a child in, in Scotland, sorry, um, you kind of, uh, like the shops would have some American candy and it was just like a thing you did. You just like would go and buy the American candy and it was cool. It was a cool thing to um but being here, I do love American food and American candy for sure. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, so you're not only acclimating to a new country as just someone who's living here, but you're doing it as a mom of three kids. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that we have some people who are moms listening or mm-hmm. maybe future moms, but um, I would love to just kind of know how you're surviving this time of quarantine as a mother and like, What's been unique about it to you? Yeah. Um, so being a mother in general um, is hard. It's tough. Um, you know, you're learning every single day. But being a mother in quarantine uh, or self-isolation or social distancing, whatever you want to call it, it's, it is really tough. Um, and I see like mothers who are doing the homeschooling thing. And I'm not at that stage yet. My kids are all under five. Um, So I see those mothers doing homeschooling and having a job that they need to work from home. And I, I don't, I can't believe how like they're superheroes to me, really. um, Yeah, they're doing such a great job. But for me, being at home, we live in a small apartment, um, we don't have a garden, um, and trying to find creative ways to keep three kids, well, it's really two kids, Rory is only six months, but keeping them happy and, um, yeah, it is tough. You know, you need to be really creative and go out for the same walk every day or, um yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to kind of hear, because I know that I get to be in our prayer room with you pretty regularly. Um, and yesterday you got to lead us through kind of this really, really cool practice. And I was really grateful for that. And so I would just love to hear from you, like what practices are keeping you kind of grounded, like in this season? Like as you just said, it's difficult to be a mom of three in a small apartment you have to have something that's like maybe keeping you grounded. Um, So I'd love to hear like what's working for you. What are you doing that like you just find super life giving? Yeah. um, I mean, you just mentioned one of the big ones for me was, um, you know, the prayer room. It is honestly, it is so life giving to me having that those 20 minutes every single day to just sit in quiet and pray and, um, 
you know, open my heart to God every single day, it is so life-giving. Yeah, for sure. That is probably the biggest one. Um, Another thing that Matthew and I are both doing is working out. And I know you're doing it too. Um, Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah, but that we do that before the kids wake up. So around six or seven o'clock in the morning, we get outside, yeah, yeah, on the porch and we just, we just do it. Um, And it came at a great time. It was, I think, I guess it started on Monday, but um, that was really when everyone was like, you know, we need to stay inside. Nobody should be leaving the house. Um, Right you know, things got really serious. Um, and this workout plan, or I guess it's a competition, it came at the right time. Um, so that has been super life giving to me and it's great for mental health in this time, like, you know, being a mom of three at home, um, it, it is, it takes a toll on your mental health. Um, but not just being a mom, being a, you know, a single person at home by yourself or being um, maybe one of those people who are classed as vulnerable at home on your own. Um, yeah. It is, it takes a huge toll on your mental health or if you've lost your job. Um, I can't imagine that. But, you know, I find doing things that benefit your mental health should be, like, the most important thing. Um whether that's working out every day or whether that's, um, you know, FaceTiming your friends, um, finding something that keeps you, you know, above the water, if you want to say that, you know. Um, So those things like the prayer room and working out have definitely kept my head above that water for sure. Yeah, I found that for me, like whenever I start a day, there's kind of a couple options I have and, one of the options is to just kind of like passively get taken through the day by yeah. like various things that I'll watch on TV, like uh, like Tiger King or something. Like as much fun as watching Tiger King is, yeah. it really like makes me a passenger to my day. Exactly. And, and I've found that the most life-giving and things that have been the best for my mental and spiritual and emotional health have been the things where I'm active yeah. and I'm actually doing something and being a part of like accomplishing something like you said like working out like knocking off or checking that box for the workout like for the day feels so good because like I know I think it's partially because I know I have the option not to yeah and there's something so victorious about saying like no like I I chose to do this today yeah yeah and we we like we are um in control so like um something I noticed well, I notice about myself is that I so easily slip into that passive or like brainless, like every day to day kind of thing, you know, like sitting watching TV, it's, it's numbing to the brain. It's, you know, you're sitting on your sofa, probably fall asleep. Like, it's just so you're allowing that to, um, drive you basically. Whereas we're in control. And saying, like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to get out and I'm going to work out or whatever it is. Um, You know, just having that control is so, like, 
beneficial. Yeah, that is, I totally agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Man, that is so cool. So if someone was listening to this and they were like, man, like I would love to reach out to Naomi and encourage her for being so honest or, or this part of her story really resonated with me. Like, I really want to talk to her about that more. Is that like something that you would welcome? And if you would welcome it, how would like, what's your Instagram name so we can find you like all that stuff? Yeah, for sure. I would love if anyone wanted to reach out to me about anything that I've talked about. Um, I'm here. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Um, But yeah, for sure. I have Instagram. Um, My Instagram handle is nsetliff. So it's N-S-E-T-L-I-F-F-E. You can find me there or I'm Naomi Setliff on Facebook. Um, And if you know people I know, or if you're not a stranger, I'm sure you can find my phone number somehow. Yeah, um, definitely. But I, I would love to talk to anyone who wants to talk. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe we can hear like an, a UK accent or a Scottish or a British accent <laughs> and we get intimidated um, oh, no. as Americans. Because I, I don't know, in my head at least, I'm like, man... People with accents are so much cooler than us. They probably don't want to talk to us, or they you, or they know well, that we're American. <laughs> well, you guys have the accents. I don't have an accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, over here, I think it's you, but um, <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Um, yeah. So, p- anyone who's listening, like, definitely reach out to Naomi. Um, I think it would be so cool to to just connect. Like, that's kind of the whole goal of this podcast is to realize like we have so much in common with each other that we're unaware of and um there's so much that can bring us together in a time where we're so alone and isolated and we don't have to be lonely um we can kind of figure out what it means to be in this together so that's kind of my hope and prayer like with this podcast and with this today and so um as we kind of wrap up i'm going to ask you the question that i ask people when i finish when all this is over and we assume that everything is back to normal um where is the first place that you are going to eat when this is all over okay that's a really good question (laughs) in chattanooga in chattanooga okay i would have to say wow that's such a hard question for a foodie i love all food um okay one thing I think I love sushi. I really want okay. to get sushi. That's something I miss so much. So, so where's your go-to place for sushi? Oh gosh, it's that place in Coolidge Park. I always forget its name. Is it the um, one that's actually in Coolidge or is it the yes, one that's on the main road? The one that's in Coolidge. Okay, I know what you're talking about and I don't <laughs> remember the name of it either. I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 it's okay. It's the one that's like right behind Clumpy's, yeah. right? It is the best sushi place, hands down. Really? I love it. Yes. Yeah, it's the best. I think that it's called Sushi Nabi. Okay. Um, cool. Well, I'm going to go there. <laughs> all right. So there you have it. If all this ends and Sushi Nabi's still around, then that's where Naomi's going to go and she's going to get some sushi. <laughs> it is kind of a hard thing to make at home, so I understand. Um, yeah. It's just not the same as going out and getting sushi. No, it's definitely not the same. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, um, Naomi, thank you so much just for your time and your vulnerability. Um, 
as someone who knows you like kind of personally being in the same community group and um getting to be around each other a lot um i'm just really really grateful that you were able to um say like hey like i know this is going to be difficult to talk about but i want to do it and like trust god with it and Mm -hmm. seeing how god's like worked in your life with that over the past two years has been um so amazing yeah. And uh, I know that my my wife and I, we are really, really blessed by you and Matt and the thank kids. You. And we're just so thankful that y'all are here in this season. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, for, for Connected, this is Brooks. And this has been a great time with Naomi. I think I can speak for Naomi when I say that we are both praying for your continued health. For your continued well-being and that um, that in all things that God would get glory in your life and that we would be able to endure difficult circumstances and rejoice at all things and be comforted and carried by the grace and peace of our Father. So thank you all and y'all have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.